You're listening to the Busy Businesswoman podcast, episode 49. And today we're talking to Samantha Murant, an artist, educator, entrepreneur, storyteller, and podcaster from the Rural Compass, all about running a rural business. So let's get started. Hi, I'm Faye Hollands, and I've been helping time-strapped women in business improve their productivity and profit for well over a decade now. And in this podcast, I want to share with you the highs and lows of growing a successful business so that you can avoid the pitfalls, fast-track your progress, and build a business that booms faster. This is the Busy Businesswoman Podcast. Hey ladies, Faye Hollands here and thank you so much for joining me again and tuning into another fabulous episode of the Busy Businesswomen podcast. Today, I'm very lucky to be talking to Samantha Murant from the Rural Compass, who is hugely passionate about raising the profile of women in rural businesses across Australia. Sammy, as she's known, is a city girl turned country lady living in the small town of Cunnamulla in the southwest of Queensland. She knows all of the good bits and the tough bits about making it work out west. Founding the Rural Compass in May 2019 with a passion for telling other rural businesswomen's stories, the podcast aims to inspire and empower other women to do the same and know that they're not alone, as well as to increase the coverage and awareness of those in small rural businesses. Sammy is also the co-founder of Big Ideas Rural, a community and education membership platform to help in personal and professional development of rural businesswomen. This wife and mother of one is also a professional artist and runs social and mindfulness workshops both in person to drought-affected areas of Queensland and online to enable those in isolation to access them too. So without further ado, I'm super happy to welcome Samantha Murant from the Rural Compass onto the Busy Businesswomen podcast. Sammy, I am absolutely thrilled to have you here. Welcome to the Busy Business Women podcast. Hi, Faye, and thank you so much for that wonderful introduction. It's so lovely to be here. Oh, an absolute pleasure. I love doing those introductions. We were talking to Annette Densham on the last podcast or one of a couple of couple episodes ago. And uh, she said, wow, didn't I do some good stuff? I'm like, yeah, how good is it to hear these introductions and realize you've come so far and like you, you know, you've done so much in your life as a business owner. So it's a nice little pat on the back to start with, I reckon. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> now talking of that, let's talk about your background and give our listeners a bit of an introduction into, you know, your life as a business owner. So you've been running your own business um, as a professional artist for the last two years, right? How did that come about and how have you found being a business owner so far? So look, I've I've always been really artistic. It's not something that I know there's a lot of people who go, oh, you know, when my kids went back to school, I started doing art or, you know, found art on my journey. No, I have been that crafty kid who had all of her painting and cutouts all across the coffee table every night of the week when I was growing up. Um, so um, it's always been, you know, I've out to Kanamala where I live now with my, my husband and my son. I really found my groove. So I you know, found what I loved painting, which is animals and botanicals and floor, um, you know, flowers and all that sort of thing, Australian flora. Um, and so when there was an opportunity at the local gallery to have an exhibition and I thought, oh, well, why, why not? You know, yeah. I haven't done anything like this before, so why not? And I sold my first piece on the night and my husband came over and said, well, now it's official. You're a professional artist. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so that night I actually sold 10 of the 16 artworks that I had there on the opening night, which just oh, wow. gave me, 
Yeah, it was just such a big confidence boost. And I thought, okay, maybe I could do this like, you know, a bit more professionally and, and run it as a bit of a business and, um, you know, see how I go. Um, and I honestly, when it comes to running the business and, and starting the business, I, I honestly love every day. Like every day is a new challenge. Mm. Um, especially being an, an entrepreneur, as you know, there's always different things that come up, but in the same breath, I'm sure everyone listening can relate that there are so many challenges when you're starting out that it can be so, so daunting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So from, you know, um, like working out how to pay for materials or selling uh, the artworks or little things like how to set up your website and online shop and oh, pricing your art, making sure that you're, you know, value, not devaluing your time and, and putting enough value on, on what you're creating as well, which is really hard, especially for creatives and artists, because I find we do it because we love it. And we think, oh, well, we'll just sell it for what we're making it for. Like, you know, the cost of the materials, but when you put so much time and effort and, you know, you've got however many years of experience behind you, you need to make sure that you're pricing yourself for that, which I think, um, yeah, sometimes gets overlooked at the start. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, I, like I'm, um, I'm not, and I think there's, you know, there's oh, such sorry, information out there. Sammy, sorry. No, 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 you're right. Um, we just got, it's, it's dropping out and I'm then talking over you cause I thought you completely stopped. <laughs> Um, okay. Let me just think. So, you know, there's just things like not devaluing your time. So obviously as creatives and artists, we, we often like to just, you know, charge because we love it and we're just charging for the materials that it takes to create whatever it is we're creating. But, you know, you need to make sure that you're taking into consideration all of the time and the experience and the years beforehand that's taken you to get to the point where you are now. And, and I think, you know, there's a sea of information out there, but it can be really overwhelming to know where to start. And I definitely found that when I, when I began and I definitely undervalued myself. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've actually been doing a little bit of coaching with some artists and creatives around getting clarity around these sorts of things. So finding your goal for, for what sort of art business you're wanting to run and and what steps you need to take to get there because like I said there's so many elements especially in a creative business in in what goes into it and yeah you just don't want to devalue what you are doing so um yeah I think it's um, really important that that step at the start to make sure you have that clarity yeah definitely I I think that that's a a very interesting topic you brought up very early on because I, I think that's a big stumbling point for business owners in the creative space that they do often fall into running their own business because they love what they're creating but then don't think about the time and energy and effort that's gone into what they've created and you know that I suppose that's where we get that vision of the struggling artist because they're creating amazing things but not charging the true value of them and what they're worth and I wish our listeners could see you right now because as soon as we jumped on Zoom listeners Sammy's got the most amazing painting behind her and then a commission of a beautiful dog as well like she's really cool artist so you should go (laughs) stuff out all right so on one hand you've got this artist you know you're an artist you've got this artist business that you've been running for a couple of years let's talk about the rural compass so that you've then got the rural compass and big ideas rural which are very different from being an artist how did tell us about those and how did those ideas come about yeah so 
I always, I always sort of find this as well. I feel like they're sort of really different, but at the same time, you know, I'm creating podcasts. So technically it's a creative field. (laughs) Yes, true. (laughs) But so since January this year, I've been running social painting workshops called Bubbles and Brushstrokes and, um, you know, having champagne while you're painting, it's always fun. And running these across Western Queensland in order to help sort of drought affected communities and cut out some of the isolation by bringing people together for a bit of fun and a bit of socialization. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm, while I was doing these, I traveled, I think I did 35 before June. Um, and I had traveled nearly, oh, well, well over 8,500 kilometers anyway. Wow. Um, so yeah, so I think I had, in the first six months of this year, I'd, I'd traveled nearly 8,500 kilometers and I met so, so many people. And so there was all of these incredible businesses and incredible, incredible women doing incredible things, but struggling with gaining awareness from what their location and, and being only seen by their local town. And so the podcast was sort of born, it started as a passion project to give, to give rural women a platform to share their stories and their businesses. Um, but as you know, Faye, there are so, only so many weeks in a year and hours in a day to put together a podcast episode. Yep. <laughs> so we now um, also have a blog where we share small business spotlights. And most recently, like we've started a online nationwide rural and remote business directory so it's a free rural um free for rural businesses they can go on and list their business and it's just a great source for those wanting to support rural businesses as well i know you and i the other day Faye spoke about you know supporting local and and australian made and this is just another element to that basically so it's a it's a spot where people can go from metro areas and go, okay, well, I want to buy a pair of earrings. So they can go onto the directory and and purchase from a rural maker. And um, yeah, so that's that's sort of where the rural compass came from. I love, um, love, love that idea because listeners, just to fill you in. So I was on Sammy's podcast and we had a um, conversation last week. One of her questions for me was, can you give a shout out for a, you know, a rural business that you support? And I was very honest and said, actually, I can't because I don't know uh, which businesses I'm supporting are actually rural. I just go buy my stuff, but I am very mindful of supporting women in business and women in small business. So I really love what Sam is doing because if you want to support, support rural, this is a place where you can go to make sure that you're absolutely doing that. So I think what your, your idea is fantastic, Sammy, and I might take my hat off to you for that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's been a, it's been a very um, big six months. Oh, how long has it been? Six months since May. So all of these amazing things have happened since mm. May um, for the Rural Compass. And I suppose in regards to Big Ideas Rural, which is sort of an arm um, of the Rural Compass. So I was approached by a lady and her name is Tori Kopke, who she's actually based over in the Wheatbelt in WA. Mm-hmm. And um, and she basically just sent me an email asking if about collaborating somehow, uh, which is where our mini marketing series was born on the podcast. So we had an eight eight episode mini marketing series right? Um, because she's a marketing expert. So that was sort of how that came about. Yeah. Um, and then we found that it was really well received. So um, 
I think a lot of the rural businesses just need some advice around actually getting their own message out there and, and bringing awareness to themselves as well. And, you know, like I said before, I, there's only so many podcast episodes that we can actually push out and really um, bring awareness to an individual business. So um, one thing led to another and then <clears throat> this formed Big Ideas Rural. So we co-founded Big Ideas Rural, which is a community and education platform run uh, run by rural business women, Tori and myself, um, for rural business women. So our, our overall vision for this is to educate and empower rural business women across Australia. And we achieve this through building a strong community that we have built in our membership platform. So we have a, a membership platform and then we also have um, different online education like uh, we have a, a Master Your Marketing e-course that we have created and then we also um, run virtual summits so we've held our first big ideas rural virtual summit uh what was that in october for international rural women's day and um just a little plug that will be um we haven't really announced it yet but we're going to be running another one early next year as well so um yeah yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, well, let's talk about location more, right? Obviously, your passion for rural businesses comes from being in a rural location yourself. How, I want to really want to understand how your location has impacted your business. Yeah, so I didn't grow up in the country. As in my intro, it says mm. I'm a city girl turned country lady, and I always put you know apostrophes around my lady. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> It was a really big adjustment for me moving out here, but I'm pretty strong-willed and I think um, the biggest impact is visibility for rural Australia and for businesses businesses within rural Australia. Um, I think with the internet nowadays, there should be no reason that you can't run a business or be employed virtually from a rural location and that's, you know, not just metro people hiring remotely from rural areas but also rural people understanding that they don't need to be limited due to their location so mm-hmm. i think um you know we've we've moved so quickly with the internet and how we've progressed and what we can do with it and i think it's just a matter of um educating and reminding people in rural areas and also in metro areas that it is possible to run things remotely and and to employ and and um purchase from remote areas yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm just wondering as a sideline, right, because um, you're, you're in a remote, remote area, or a, sorry, a rural area, and yeah. um, like some of our listeners might be listening to podcasts and realising that maybe the quality of the podcast right now isn't what it normally is, which comes down <laughs> to the wonderful internet connection, right? So how does, because you, as you've just said, you know, the, the one of the challenges is visibility, but we now have access to so much through the internet that it's possible to run many businesses without it you know, literally doesn't matter where you are. But I'm, you know, only an hour and a half out of Sydney and my internet is not the best. So how does the internet in a rural location actually impact the the ability to run a, a you know effective and productive business? I think that's the word there, the effectiveness and the productivity yeah. is uh, sometimes like it is brilliant, obviously, that we're able to run a business no matter your location with the internet and I think the tricky thing is that we don't always have as fast internet 
mm. as, you know, maybe living in the middle of Brisbane or, um, you know, wherever you are. And, you know, I live in town um, itself in Kanamala mm. and I know I have a lot faster internet than, say, those on, on properties. And yep. so it does, the effectiveness probably does make it difficult, um, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it really. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, um, it's still a possibility and it's still definitely able to do, able to run your business no matter your location. But yeah, it does, um, it does create a little bit of a struggle. And I find in our community, that's one of the biggest issues that we have come across is people saying they're slow internet connection. Mm. Um, and I think when our brains are working a hundred miles an hour, <laughs> we're wanting our computers to be keeping up with us. Exactly. And sometimes that's not the case. So yeah. Yeah. I can imagine the need for a lot more meditation and yoga to, <laughs> you know, to deal with the, you know, have a more calming effect when the internet isn't quite running at the speed you need it to. Because that's yeah. mine. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. So let's talk about entrepreneurs in rural rural areas. As I said before, you know, I'm a really passionate supporter of women building businesses regardless of location. But I'd love to know from you why you think it's important to have entrepreneurs in rural locations. Like, is there a specific uh, benefit that that has to the rural location? Yeah. So I suppose, like, as everyone knows, we are suffering through terrible times at the moment yeah. with, the, you know, our, our, um, drought that's been going on for several several years now <laughs> and mm. I think by encouraging entrepreneurship you're opening up another avenue to be able to bring money into the small towns and boost that local economy so um, it's also it also gives people a something else to focus on as well so you know what it's like Faye when you you've started a new business and you can put your whole heart and soul into it and mm. sometimes it's a really great escape to get away from you know other hard times that you might be going through so mm. um there's so many opportunities for creativity as well out in these areas or anywhere but you know in rural areas there's a lot of creative people and i find that a lot of the businesses are creative based and i think that that's a big mindfulness thing you know even as an artist I'm constantly doing um so the social workshops and um those sorts of things and it's a really great escape for people to be able to have that um that difference and yeah. that different you know um, thing to go to um but uh, you know a lot of the time without these you know, off-farm incomes a lot of people would be um wouldn't be able to stay on their property so you know, there are both men and women in the middle of nowhere starting up fashion labels and running arts and crafts businesses and starting and running professional services, you know, yep. like, uh, marketing, remote working, employment offices, online education. Honestly, there's just the opportunities are fairly endless. Yep. And I think, um, I think it's just a great way to, yeah, really bolster that, um, that local economy in rural areas and, and which, you know, it ends up boosting the Australian, the national economy. So yeah, yeah we just, that's, that's my, um, <laughs> a little bit of a rant there. <laughs> no, I love that. And I think it's really exciting because I, I think regardless of where our listeners are listening to this from and whether you watch the news or not, and I actually don't watch the news very much at all. 
none of us could be blind to the fact that, you know, farmers across Australia are facing ruin and, you know, have been living in such drought affected um, areas for such a long time. I think the stats are saying, you know, there's some drought periods that are ranging from a year to seven years. As a almost city dweller, I can't even comprehend what that is like to live in that environment. But what you're saying is that, you know, these other businesses that they can look to start will really you know, bring additional income in. It's a mindfulness exercise. Um, it's bringing communities together. Like I think that there's just a lot of excitement about the potential there and what you're doing is raising that awareness, which is, yeah. is awesome. What's the response been like to the work that you're doing? Um, yeah, so I'll just quickly say on that point with the um you know how long we've been going through drought is that you know where I am in Kanamala we're actually in our ninth year of drought oh wow so I I have never seen yeah so I've never I've been with my husband we've been together for nearly 10 years and um I've never actually seen grass on the ground at my husband's family property and um yeah so I, I won't get to own my soapbox too much but um you know oh, we, you go <laughs> it. like I just, um you know I, I remember seeing something recently on the news with a farmer and his family and this poor mother had a very very young child in changing the child's nappy in the stroller while she was trying to milk the cows um one yeah. of the children had been caught in one of the pieces of equipment and they didn't know how you know if he was going to be permanently um, I don't think it was disabled, but permanently affected. And uh, it was just the saddest story. Like I'm just trying not to get a bit tearful about it now. But um, I think that people can't comprehend what those people are going through. So you get on your soapbox as much as you want <laughs> because you're living and breathing it. And nine years, you know, we whinge just outside of Sydney that we haven't seen rain in a little while. But, you know, most people can't comprehend what that looks like. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've had, so we had nine mils of rain the other day and we this year I think we've had like a maximum of maybe 30 plus mil like that that's all we've had all year and I think um you know it it's put through the media as oh you know they've got rain so it's the, the drought's broken and a lot of people don't realize it's not just about that that one drop of rain that we've got, that's not going to, that's not going to completely replenish all the, the soil and all of the help grass grow. Like we have to have mm. consistent rain uh, over several weeks to even see a bit of a grass bud. So I think, um, you know, when it comes to what people are going throughout here, it, it's, everyone sort of looks at the negative sides. Like I know, like um, that story that you were just saying about the kids, like mm. that's, that's sort of, stuff that's always happened out here. Like um, yeah. farmers have to take their kids out to the paddocks. That's what happens because otherwise they're getting left at home by themselves. And that's obviously not allowed either. So, um, you know, there'd be, my in-laws would tell the story about just taking the playpen out and putting the kids in the playpen under a tree with food and, you know, everything, keeping them happy yeah. under there while they do their fencing. You know, that's just something that's always happened out here. And, yeah. um, and, you know, you ask my husband and it, he had the best childhood ever. And that's, a, that's a big part of growing up and living in rural areas is the lifestyle. Mm. So I think, um, you know, we are lucky where we live because we have artesian water, which is, um, we're, we're in the artesian basin. So we have bore water and that sort of thing. Um, but there are, but we still need to have rain to be able to, 
you know, um, have things grow. So yeah. we can we can drink the bull water, but we it doesn't necessarily help anything grow. So yeah, yeah. Anyways, there's <laughs> there's so much that goes into it. But, yeah, um, sure. <laughs> I think like entrepreneur and business related wise, I think the biggest challenges is you know gaining that support from the metro areas, like we were saying, to be purchasing from rural makers and or hiring services remotely. Um, I'm definitely not diminishing the amount of help that the farmers require because as I you know I was just saying there's so many things that are happening and but but it also the small businesses and solo entrepreneurs and side hustles and all of those things in our small towns they need support because a lot of these businesses are run by farmers as off-farm income to help support yeah them so um I also get on my as you would say Faye my ranty pants about (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> about um, you know, I I always suggest to people if they're wanting to help people in drought affected areas, like if they're wanting to help the farmers or or whatever it is, local businesses, anything. I always suggest instead of sending care packages, that they send vouchers because I think um, you know it's so lovely that people want to care that they care for the rural areas and they want to send these care packages, but by sending them, you're taking away sales from the local stores as well. So, um, if you're sending things like vouchers or, um, or even just purchasing directly from the local stores, then you're able to support the local economy that way. So yeah, so that's, that's my ranty pants there. (laughs) That's such an important point that many people probably haven't thought about. They're trying to be really generous and thoughtful and yet in that step of taken away from the local economy. So thank you for bringing that up. And also, this is really timely because this uh, episode is going to go out in November. So we're just on top of Christmas, right? For anyone listening, do your best to go and support rural businesses and go and do some of your Christmas shopping. Go over to um, Sammy's website and from the podcast show notes, you'll be able to get all the links and go and support those businesses because this is an ideal time to do it, right? Or well, Of course, yeah. it's needed throughout the entire year, but if you can do some of your Christmas shopping now by supporting rural, then that's a big plus. Yeah, now, absolutely. I'd love to talk to you. You wrote a really brilliant blog about whether businesses should have a community over competition mindset. And I don't doubt for a moment that you believe they should, and I'm absolutely with you 100%. But why is that something that you're passionate about? Um, so, oh, absolutely. Like, absolutely. Community co- over competition <laughs> all the yeah. way. Um, so, I was actually chatting to the girls at the Female Founders, um, which is run by the Advanced Queensland and Impact Innovation about the fact that it's, you know, it's not actually just rural entrepreneurs that we need to encourage community because rural entrepreneurs are actually really great at community. I mean, we have all of our small little local towns and that's, that's what we do. We know everyone who we buy from. We know everyone who walks down the street. And so that's a big part. And that's one of the best things about living in a rural town is the community and knowing everyone. Um, And I think encouraging that community is a really great way to beat that isolation. Um, But, you know, for your Metro listeners, isolation can happen to anyone running a business from even if you're running a a business in the middle of Brisbane. So, um, you know, we need to make that effort to find and reach out and be part of a community just because you you don't have to be alone doing it and i think that's the biggest thing is everyone 
as females as well, we always think, yeah, we can just do it. We can run the world, do it all ourselves, but you don't have to. (laughs) No, exactly. Yeah. So I think, um, and you would know with your community that you've created online, Faye, that, that, you know, it's just a, it's just a place that people can come and either ask questions or, you know, share their ideas or, you know, get some sort of feedback. It's just a really great way to be able to support each other. And yeah, so that's, I'm, I'm a big one for community over competition. Completely agree with you. And I love the fact that you said, actually, you know, this isn't a a rural point. It doesn't matter where you are, because I know that there are lots of people that are smack bang in the middle of Sydney, for example, that feel equally as isolated as somebody that would be in somewhere remote on a farm, because you you can feel very alone in business, regardless of your location. And there isn't any need for that. So there's so many communities we can access now that are, you know, in person, but also online. And just as a sideline, I'm reading an awesome book at the moment by Michael Hyatt called Free to Focus. It's all about productivity because, you know, that's my obsession. But the part I'm up to at the moment is he's talking about the power of our networks and communities and how important that is on productivity. It's a, I won't start ranting on about it. I'll take the whole show over. But my point on what we're talking about right now is that, you know, if you want to run a more productive and effective business, actually getting out there and connecting and spending time with your community and not worrying about competition, but actually collaborating and connecting actually increases the effectiveness of your business, helps you manage your time better. There's lots of upsides to it aside from just that feeling of being out there and meeting people. So um, I'm glad you're passionate about it because I am too. (laughs) All right. So let's talk about your podcast. Um, Obviously, we've talked about the podcast already. It's all about bringing awareness to women in business who are working hard in rural and remote areas. What I love about what you're doing, well, first of all, it's obvious why you're doing it and you're hugely passionate about it. But also, you have very smartly honed in on a niche. And my listeners will know that I get very ranty pants about niching (laughs) and how important it is. So I'd love to know how you think really getting clear on your niche and focusing on that has helped you, has impacted the reach of your podcast and your business so far? Because I have no doubt that it has, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah. So I think, um, I am, I agree. I get really, um, I get really passionate about finding your niche as well. I think it's all about being able to focus your time and effort appropriately and and who you're actually targeting as well. So um, I think I was really lucky from the get-go to know what I wanted to share and who I wanted to get it to. Um, And it's just been an incredible impact in such a short amount of time because probably because I really narrowed that down early. And I knew, like I said, I knew from the get-go what I, what I really wanted to do with it. And, and, you know, I have a majority of my listeners are actually Metro listeners. Like when you look at the statistics, which is exactly what we want. We want to be sharing the rural stories to the Metro areas. Um, but I also have a really large rural listener base as well. Um, obviously of rural women looking for inspiration and encouragement to do their own thing. And, you know, it's just amazing because I get a real mix of response from both the Metro listeners saying, you know, this is great to hear the stories that are coming out from rural Australia. And then I also get the, 
the messages from the rural women saying, thank you so much for encouraging me or inspiring me um, to go ahead with my business or um, further my business. So it's, it's amazing. I, I've got a real mix there. Um, but it's so, yeah, it's so really great to also hear about the positive feedback from listeners and um, sorry, from guests about the increase in sales. Like if they've been on the podcast and, and people have heard their story and they then go and are purchasing from them, which is the whole idea. And yes. so it's, um, it's really amazing to hear those positives coming out from the guests and, um, and that people are supporting them and, yeah, seriously, that's that's what it's all about. So <laughs> exactly, you're ticking a lot of boxes there, and I really wanted to bring that up because I wanted you to share that story, and also just for anybody that's listening to this and is still resisting the you know need to niche, just recognize how powerful it can be. Uh, because as I've talked about a lot before, it's the biggest mistake I made in the early days of my business was not niching, and it does make a massive impact on you know, I talk about productivity a lot. It impacts productivity, it impacts your effectiveness, your reach, your client base, the money money. that you make, everything. So I'm really glad that you found something you're passionate about. It's a clear niche and that you're clearly, you know, seeing the, the fruits of your labor as a result of making that decision. Yeah. And I think like on that as well, you know, with niching, there was, I can, I could probably do rural men as well who are running their businesses. Like my Mm. photographer who does all my social media photography and everything like that is a male who is running his photography business. He just decided that he loved taking photos. And so he does it just as a bit of a side hustle. He's a farmer and, um, and he does an amazing job. And I think the thing is I, I could have done that as well, but Mm. I saw the impact, you know, as, as women, <laughs> we, um, we find it really hard to toot our own horns. And, yeah. and I think I, I just saw the need for, for a little bit of <laughs> horn tooting of other people. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I, I really wanted everyone to, to be empowered by what I was creating and, and have that inspiration to be able to share their own stories and not just sit back and go, oh, well, you know, I'm in this rural area and I'm doing it, but, you know, I don't really do that much or, you know, whatever it is. Playing it down. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah, so that was, that was probably the main reason that I niched as well is I really wanted to, I just have that real passion for sharing, um, for encouraging women to be the best that they can be. And yeah, that's, that's probably why I, Found that niche early as well. It just kind of happened. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, you're, you're totally speaking my language. I mean, people sometimes say to me, "Oh, so men can't join your group?" And it's like it's not that I am a feminist, but bra burning. Like yeah. I don't want to work with men, but it's just you know I've identified my niche and I'm very I'm passionate. passionate. I fully believe that women. I'm going to go big here, but women can change the world if they're more empowered and educated. And yeah. you know that's a whole other big conversation. But that's yeah. why my focus is on women in business and in small business, and not just anyone in small business. 
So I love where you're coming from. And I am a big advocate of tooting horns and tooting your own horn. It came up actually in the (laughs) podcast with Annette Densham as well, because she said, you know, you've got to toot your own horn. You've got to get out there and, you know, be the voice of your business. And we need these platforms to be able to do that. And, And frankly, people like you and me and Annette to encourage women who might not find it as easy to toot their own horn to actually get out there and do it. So uh, we can be the horn yeah. tooting advocates. <laughs> I've just given us a new title. <laughs> sounds like a great campaign. <laughs> yes, it sounds really quite posh, <laughs> which I am not. <laughs> okay, I feel like I'm about to completely derail this podcast with horn tooting, so I will continue. <laughs> yes, sounds good. Uh, let's talk productivity because it's one of my favourite topics. Uh, you have got a young child, right? How old is your is it son or daughter? Uh, little boy. So his name's Will and he is, oh, well, he'll be two in February. So. Oh, so I, I made the assumption that you had your hands pretty full and a two-year-old absolutely <laughs> ticks that box. So you're running several different brands of a business, uh, an artist. You're doing your um, art workshops by PS. I meant to say, I've been to one of those recently. Unfortunately, not yours because I'm nowhere near yours. <laughs> those sip and paint sessions are so much fun. So anybody that's listening to this that can go and do one of Samantha's workshops go and do it because they're brilliant and they're great networking opportunity as well anyway I digress so you're juggling a whole load of things right I'd love to know if there's any strategies tips hacks apps software anything that you use that you find is particularly useful when it comes to you being productive as possible yeah so I think uh first things first the biggest thing that the hugest biggest part of my productivity is probably mindset so yeah. I use mantras and I have um, some beautiful affirmation cards from a gorgeous rural business um, called Affirmation Farm. Mm-hmm. And I have them put all around my office and my, well, my office is my studio as well. So it's, yeah. <laughs> you know, all around my room. Um, I also have a pin board on my desk with different reviews that I've printed out that have, you know, made my heart melt when I've read them Um, and cards from people that I've had on the podcast. So I have visual reminders of things that I'm doing that, um, you know, things that I'm doing to help me achieve sort of things. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm really about focusing on the positive and it can be really hard to do. um, But if you figure out what it is that makes you focus on those positive things and, um, and really puts you in the mindset of, of doing what you want to do and, and what you're passionate for, then that's what I think is my number one thing. Um, time wise, (laughs) I, um, I'm, I'm big on batching, which I know that you are too, Faye and love batching. (laughs) So I think, uh, you know, having a, a, near two-year-old is um is definitely hands full and he only goes to daycare two days a week so Mm -hmm. I sort of plan my whole week around my Thursday Friday and try and fit everything into those two days um and I schedule a lot of things as well so my social media posts I um I schedule those and I think I don't know about you, Faye, but I have had someone say to me, oh, but if you're scheduling, it's not as personal and, you know, um, it, it, um, it feels like you're just sending it out there. And I thought, well, no, because I'm still, you still sit down, you still think about what you're writing, you're still mm. writing that caption to, to capture your audience. It's just that you're doing it to 
for the betterment of your time management, really. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, the thing that, but I know what that person's saying and the way that I get around that is I just leave a buffer. I leave some space in my scheduling so that I can post things up on a whim. So if something happens yeah. in the day and I think that was really relevant or like yesterday, the last minute I found out it was Stress Awareness Day and we both know and all our listeners know that building a business and running a business can be hugely stressful. It just left me some space to be able to post something up and not then just flood my news feeds with loads of stuff from busy business women. So that's the yeah. way I get around that. So I completely agree with you and I reckon just if you leave some space, you still have the flexibility to be really personalized on that day if something comes up yeah and I think um I think Instagram you know it's all about nowadays it's about that feed and and the grid or whatever they call it yeah (laughs) um the grid or the feed or whatever and um and it's you know has to be beautiful but I think stories are a really great way to connect with your audience um on a more personal level so Mm I I sort of um yeah I do a similar thing and I but I sort of leave my stories as my place where I'm directly contacting people. Um, and you know, I do all my planning in Planoli or Planoli or however they say it. Um, (laughs) And so I do all my planning in there, but it's really great because you can just move posts around. So if I, like you said, like if you've you leave your schedule open a little bit because you know, something might pop up. So I might just have a inspirational quote that I'm going to post planned to post on that day. But if something pops up, I can just move. Yeah. I think you have to be flexible as well, but definitely by scheduling, it frees up your time. Um, I think it doesn't, you you still need to be connecting with your audience. Like if, if people are engaging in comments and, and that sort of thing, then you need to make sure that you're engaging back. And I think that's where if you're scheduling, that's a, that's another spot that you can make sure that you're still building that connection. Um, and I think last time we spoke to, um, yeah, last time we spoke, we were talking about productivity as well for Mm -hmm. the episode for my summer series. And, um, one of the tips that you gave was that, um, silencing your phone and turning it over so that the notifications don't catch your eye. So I have been really doing this since you said that. Oh, good. Has it, well, and I say good. Has it helped? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I, so it's good because I haven't got vibrations set on for my notifications for Instagram or anything. So mm-hmm. I only have it for my messages or phone calls. So if I get a phone call, I still check it or whatever. But yeah. it's really good because I just it it doesn't distract me from what I am concentrating on in that moment. So um, that's a that's a great productivity hack there. <laughs> well, it's like a weaning yourself off a drug, right? Because the hit of dopamine that you get from those notifications, we get addicted to. So when you turn the phone over, it's like you're starting to go a bit cold turkey and wean yourself off this thing that we've got addicted to. I say you, I'm talking about me as well. Everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody does it, right? So I'm glad yeah. that's helping because that's exactly why I do it. It definitely makes a difference. That's good. Yeah. And I really, I completely agree with all the all the productivity hacks that you just talked about. And I love that you started with my because I do think that good productivity and effectiveness in a business starts with great mindset. So it's a nice segue into, you said that you've got lots of kind of nice quotes and mantras, and I would love to get the link from you from the business that you mentioned later on as well. Actually, can you just give that a plug again? Because I'm totally going to go and check it out. 
Um, yeah, so it's called Affirmation Farm and it's by a lady named Sarah um, Parkinson, sorry, Sarah Parkinson, and she is Oh, now I forget. I think she's in Victoria. I've just had a mind blank. Um, That's all right. We'll find it and link to it in the show notes anyway. But I love that you have got all of these affirmations around. So I just wondered if there's a quote or a mantra or an affirmation that is, you know, a particular one that's really inspired you in your business and, you know, helps you get through those tough days. Yeah. So I think the one, um, I had to really think about this because like you said, I've got to like, you know, I... I concentrate on them all the all the time, and yeah. um, I think though the one that always sticks into my brain, and I've lived by since I heard it back in May of this year, um, is get comfortable being uncomfortable. Oh, so yeah. I I know this is like a super, you know, everyone knows this one, but I cannot um, for the life of me, and I cannot for the life of me. I think it's just a general, you know quote (laughs) I don't even know who said it first but um it's put me in so many situations and opened me up to so many opportunities um for the rural compass and for myself um that I didn't ever think would happen and for me it's it sort of means I think it would mean different things for different people and I think that's the Mm. the power of it so for me it's all about courage and confidence in myself um in putting me into situations where I'm open to something happening whatever they may be. So yeah. that that is sort of the real, that's how I take it is, um, you know, being being courageous and, and sort of saying yes to things, even if you're really nervous about it, you never know what that might lead to sort mm. of things. So, um, so that's probably my, yeah, that's my favorite quote. <laughs> I like that a lot because I'm all for getting uncomfortable. And I think when you can make that a, a, a something that you do almost daily, ideally, where you're constantly feeling slightly uncomfortable, it really pushes those boundaries and roadblocks. And from a business point of view, can make a massive difference. Uh, We sound very similar in that light. You know, the things that I've done where I've said yes, thinking I have no idea how I'm going to do that, or I don't even know about that topic, but I'm going to talk about it. Or, you know, all of these different things that I've said yes to over time, which are probably in my comfort zone now, but they absolutely weren't when I said yes. And that's how you continue to grow. And it's not just about being a business owner, it's growth personally as well, right? So I love that that's one of your faves. This has been such a pleasure. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking to you. And I'm only going to wrap this up because I'm conscious of time as opposed to wanting (laughs) to stop talking to you. I feel like there's so many other things that we could have chatted about. And I'm really excited about your, uh, I'm going to sound a little bit life coaching now, but your journey in business, but you're, you're doing great stuff. And I have no doubt that our listeners are going to go and check you out and support you. So on that note, if listeners, you would like to get in contact with Sammy, and I'm sure that you would and follow the fabulous work that she's doing. All of her details are going to be conveniently, as always, located in one beautiful place for you. So you can just go to busybusinesswomen.biz forward slash podcast 49 and all of Sammy's details will be there. But Sammy, just give us a bit of a snapshot of where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. So my personal website for my art, for my professional art is www.samanthamurant.com.au and my uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Facebook, Samantha Murant um, and at Samantha Murant for Instagram. And then the Rural Compass is theruralcompass.com.au or the directory is theruralcompass.directory. And we're the same on Facebook and Instagram, The Rural Compass, and you can search us on there. 
So there are plenty of places that people can find you and hang out and become online stalkers Stalkers. because I, you know, totally love watching all of your news feeds now. And it's it's totally a case again of not having met somebody or spoken to them, but when you do, you feel like you know them because you've watched so much of their social media. (laughs) And that is me. Absolutely. Yeah. So a very big thank you for joining me today and sharing your fabulous story. I hope that, and I have no doubt, you are going to continue to go from strength to strength in what you're doing. Anything you want to leave us with, Sammy, before I let you go? Oh, I just really want to say to check out the rural businesses on the directory. I think it's um, a really great opportunity to help support rural businesses all across Australia. And if you are a rural business listening, you can head over and list your business for free. How awesome is that? What a line to end with. We will make sure that the link is in there and encouraging our listeners to go and do that. So thank you very, very much. Okay, so a very big thank you to Sammy for joining me today. If you've enjoyed this episode, which of course you have, right, listeners, I would love you to go and leave us a review on iTunes, pretty please. And if you'd like to hang out some more, I'd love to see you over on the Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Busy Business Women, and you can find more biz building goodness over on my website, busybusinesswomen.biz. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I always appreciate you being here. I will be back again very, very soon with more inspiration to help you build a business that booms. But until the next time, I'm Faye Hollands and you've been listening to Samantha Murant from the Rural Compass on the Busy Businesswomen podcast. Mm-hmm.